Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips a defender. Football, Ball. football, it's up for grabs. It's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown. And now, here is your host, Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. He's back. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is the recovered Will Blackman, NFL vet. Super Bowl champ. You can see him on NFL Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at Will Blackman. So I asked you, Will missed yesterday, so it was a episode of Buker Friendless. I asked you <laughs> how you felt and what you had, and you said you had the itis. <laughs> and I looked at you, and you gave me no more information as if I'm supposed to know what the itis is. So for our listeners who do care about your well-being, explain where you were yesterday or what the hell was what was bothering you. Listen, <laughs> I, was, I was just down and out. Okay. All right. Wow. Man of mystery. Like <laughs> That's all you need to know. Okay. All right. I've been fighting some allergies. I thought it was a cold. I was taking some cold medicine. I think it was allergies. I've never had allergies before, but I think with all the rain that we've had Me in California... Either. But California would tear me up. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what I've been I've been dealing with. I was never allergic to penicillin. Suddenly, I developed an allergy to penicillin. It's weird. <laughs> you stay around on the planet long enough, and weird things happen. All right, we have to get into all of the NBA action over the weekend. I talked about it a bit. Um, we do want to preview the uh, upcoming Western Conference and Eastern Conference final series especially with, uh, with Kevin Durant out. And I'm also going to tell you why it is that Kevin Durant wants to go to the New York Knicks. Even now, as it looks like they might win three in a row, which means if he stuck around, they'd have a chance to win four, maybe even five. Why that does not appeal to him more than going someplace else. I will, I will help you understand why that is. But I want to get just to your overview, since you haven't had 
a chance to talk about it. We haven't had a chance to hear you speak on it. Of the three games, of the events of the weekend, whether it's C.J. McCollum taking over for Damian Lillard as the go-to guy in, in the upset in Denver, or it's Kawhi Leonard's shot for Toronto, or it's Steph Curry on Friday night recovering from a uh, struggle of a first half with 33 second-half points and doing everything down the stretch without KD. What was the thing that captured your imagination the most? For me, it was Kawhi Leonard as a whole. And the reason is, is because he did not have a great night shooting, but Mm -hmm. he did not care. Yeah. He said, I'm going to win this game. It's going to go through me. Yeah. That's what I loved. And then when it mattered, he made it happen. Yeah, he did. He missed one shot, you know, a two pointer, but he just, he literally was like, I'm going to win this game, period. And that's what I, that's what I do love the most. That's what Steph did too, though. Yeah, but Steph, but we've seen we've seen Steph just go off. You know, we we know he's a former MVP. You know, right. so know that wasn't that. a surprise. It wasn't a surprise because I knew I knew it could happen. Right. But for Kawhi to go and finally have his own team, and to once again not have, it's not a matter of like, oh, if Kawhi doesn't do well, then who is? Right. Right. Because the Raptors, they're a good they're a good team overall. Yes, yes for where, sure. You go to Golden State, you know, it's either Clay is going to go off, Steph's going to go off, and when Katie was healthy, Katie can go off. Yeah. By the way, I love CJ McCollum's game, though. <laughs> it's a nice game. <laughs> I love his game. It's such a nice game. It he, is so cool, man. And he defies the the size element and the mid-range is a bad shot element because he's got all of that. And he's just slippery. He's He, he can score whenever he wants, man. He, he is, but he, but he gets everything not on the pure blow-by. It's all misdirection. It's all getting you leaning the wrong way. And, exactly. And then going. And He had one where he, he spun, he spun to, his, to his right. Yes. And then stutter step and took him. I was like, oh. And faded. Was, yes. And the defender was right there. I think it was Jamal Murray, if not Gary Harris, but whoever it was. Like, defended it about as well as you could defend it. Now I like Jamal Murray's game, too, if I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He struggled in that last game. This yeah. this was, by the way, the Achilles heel that I thought that the Nuggets had. And it didn't show up. Like, the fact that it didn't show up until Game 7 was what was impressive. And I've, I had I got to tell you, I've, I've had so many NBA players, either past or present, who said, who asked me, they were like, did you think, uh, did you think Jamal Murray had that in his game? I think it was Jim Jackson. Was, was among them when we were down uh, doing stuff for FS1. I was like, eh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think he was going to be able to do that on this stage. So very impressive. And I agree with you when it comes to CJ McCollum. The thing I was going to say is I don't know if people fully appreciate how hard it is to keep shooting in these clutch situations when your shot is not falling. Right. To not defer, to not start to be a little more cautious or because Kawhi wasn't cautious. Steph Curry is never cautious. Like at some point, like if you've missed so many shots, it's like, do I really want to pull up from 28 feet and let it go and let it fly? Right. That is a hard thing. The, The level of confidence 
and resilience you have to have is extraordinary. And I'm wondering if you, I, I don't know if it equates in football terms, whether you've ever seen anybody, maybe it's Eli or I, I don't know, a quarterback that you played with, because they're the first ones that I think of that get so many opportunities that they could be having a you know a bad three quarters and then they suddenly string it together and lead you on a on a drive. I don't know if it equates to any other position in football. Maybe it does. You would tell me. But I just wonder whether you've ever seen you've you've seen something like that where somebody's struggling mightily but they don't stop slinging it or going after it. You know who's like that? Mm. Russell Wilson's like that. Mm. That is my comparison. Yeah. Cuz he truly Offensively, carry carry that team yep. for years, and his numbers would be very modest. Soon as, though, soon, as Marshawn, soon as Marshawn left, exactly. Um, Trying to remember, it was yeah, it was the NFC Championship game. Russell threw four picks. Yeah, he threw four picks. That's right. And then I think he threw a hail mary to Jermaine Curse in overtime. <laughs> that sounds. Hold right. on, I got to find this. Yeah. Anyhow, like, my, my point is he threw four picks that game and still won. Right. That takes an because, incredible resilience. Yeah, and he and he was he was what 14, 29. Right. And this goes this goes to the heart of my you know, making the right basketball play. Like in the pros, there is no I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna give it to the open teammate or it's not my day, I'm gonna let somebody else do it. In the pros that there that, that doesn't exist. You have to play the same role that you've played all year long because you get paid for that role and the team is built for you to play that role. Right. The idea that you defer when it gets heavy or you're struggling, it's like, no, you, you're, <laughs> you're a superstar because you're supposed to be able to figure it out. You're supposed to be able to manufacture it if it's not going the way it normally goes for you. So I feel as if we've seen that this is the problem that I have. Now, people are uh, um, immediately going, well, Kawhi is more clutch than Kobe, and he's better all around than Michael Jordan. And I'm like, do we have to do this? I, I said it in yesterday's <laughs> podcast, but I'm going re- <laughs> to reiterate today. Look, you can appreciate what he did, and you can find it extraordinary right? without having to proclaim it as the greatest ever. We don't always have to do that. Michael Jordan did so many things that Kawhi Leonard, as great as he is, does not do, tangible and intangible. And you hit one shot from the corner that bounces on the rim four times that takes, by the way, score tied, not behind by one, which is an entirely different animal in taking that shot. If If he misses the shot, they're going overtime, and they're at home. Right. It's the same with LeBron when his with his running bank off the glass. So so to cut you off, yeah. I just confirmed, yes. Russell threw four picks mm. and zero TDs and threw the game winner in overtime. Yeah. A thirty five yard bomb. That's, that's identical. That's it. That's pretty much that's pretty much it. That's, that's it. Yeah. So here's my thing with any of these clutch situations. We've probably got and you tell me if who I'm missing. These are the guys. You mean currently? Yeah, in the still alive in the playoffs because we got like a half a dozen guys who are willing to take that shot, willing and able. 
Steph, KD, Clay, Damian, CJ, Kawhi. It's more than half a dozen. I'm going to say Giannis because I don't think he's a... He's probably the one that I hesitate the most. Not afraid to take I a shot. Hesitate. I wouldn't hesitate with him. He's trying well, to win, Dan. I don't it. think he's going to take a three with the game on the line. I think he'll I think he'll look to take the shot. I think he'll drive. If he can get to his spot. But it's not like I hand the ball to Giannis and Giannis will, no matter what, is going to find a way. Because he should be able to. I mean, because this is the other thing. The guys that we're talking about all have the capability of getting their shot. So I want you taking that shot because you have the capability of getting it. Uh, do I put Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe in that circle? I know they have the willingness. I don't know if they're quite the talent puts them on that level. I put Iguodala. Whew. That's not a bad call. I would put Iguodala. And I would also put Danny Green. That's not a bad call either. As far as willingness to take the shot with the game. Willingness to take the shot, yes. Kyle Lowry. I'm going to put him in that camp. I think Kyle Lowry a few years ago. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I think, okay, Kyle won't take a three. Kyle will drive, take the contact, and try to get a three-point play. Well, now we're, gonna, now we're starting to split hairs because I don't know that Andre Iguodala really wants to take a three. He, he will. will. Three. He yeah. will. You know, you're you you you're infatuated with the five for eight that he just shot. That was the I'm most. Not, I'm made not infatuated with the five for eight. I just think he would. Finals MVP. Yeah, but that was <laughs> that was the oddest Finals MVP ever. It was. I agree. So, okay. So looking at these matchups, well, let's just go straight to it. Who do you think's winning? Man. I'm not going to bet against the champs. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's hard to. Yeah. And I just think their pace is going to be just way too much. But for the other one, that's going to be such a good a good series, man. Yeah. Bucks Raptors. I'm excited for that. Yes, I am. Because especially you have two of the newer stars. Yeah. And Giannis and Kawhi. Two guys who, who have that Mamba mentality, that killer instinct. That it's it's on it's on me. Yeah, I give the edge to Toronto because Kawhi has been on this platform before, and Giannis is not. See, I wouldn't do that. Why? Because I I think I think Giannis has the mindset where it's like it does it doesn't even matter. I think he's so ready already. You know, sometimes experience is cool and all. I feel like he's so ready. And once again, I can bring the. You know, the Seahawks, again, the example, when they played the Broncos in that Super Bowl, Payton has been there before. A bunch of coaches have been there before. A couple of players have been there before. Seahawks was just like this young, hungry, angry team who yeah. had who never been there. Yeah. No experience, nothing. Hasn't even been in the, even close. I mean, they've been in the playoffs, but they were just so ready to go. That's fair. It's, and it's a fair comparison. You know. I don't difference... think the moment's too big for him for for Giannis. He got a shoe for crying out loud. Yeah. Oh, he's got slippers too. He got slippers. He's got green slippers. He's got the Hulu slippers. I believe that the potential difference could be that first of all, Toronto, I believe, benefited. Like they they owe a debt of gratitude to the 76ers 
because the 76ers made the Raptors work to get to the conference finals. Boston did not do that for Milwaukee. Detroit no. did not do that for Milwaukee. And Toronto's ability but, to defend the three could be a shock to the system for Milwaukee. I would be shocked if they get the same looks and they shoot the same percentage. But what I love about Milwaukee is they, they took Boston's will. A team that you both, both you and I said you know, earlier, like, man, you know, they're championship ready. Yes. They're ready to go. And they just got blown up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Boston had a lot of, a lot more issues than but I still, realized. Because Kyrie's, Kyrie's the hell out of there. Like, there ain't no doubt in my mind now, whether it's New York, whatever he's doing, and I keep hearing it's the Knicks, Kyrie is not going back to Boston. That ship has sailed. And from everything that I'm hearing, KD, what the Warriors do is not going to make a difference in his decision. And for those who may not, who may not understand, who, and I see this constantly and I'm constantly asked this, and I understand it, it's, a fair, it's more than a fair question. Like, if they win three in a row, why wouldn't he stick around for four in a row? Why would he leave to go to the Knicks? Why wouldn't he want to do something historic? It's for the same reason that LeBron James didn't stick around in Miami. Because as long as LeBron was in Miami, it was going to be a credit to the organization, Pat Riley, Dwayne Wade. We taught LeBron James how to be a champion. Right. Kevin Durant faces the exact same thing with the Warriors. And it doesn't matter how many finals MVPs he gets. It doesn't matter how many championships they win. It's always going to be KD came in and learned and was able to do this because of what the Warriors already had. You're right. already, they, had they had the blueprint. Yes. And you're already seeing it and hearing it now. that they All they did was eke out a game five that was wild as hell. I mean, it wasn't like they suddenly, yeah, the ball popped and everything, but that was a that was a crazy scramble at the end of that game. Right. They win that, and then they beat a Rockets team that they'd already beaten in a pivotal game in Houston before. So now suddenly it's like, see, they can win championships without KD. I'm not convinced of that. Steve Kerr did a tremendous job in game six, he rolled the dice. And it's something that he actually set up throughout the year, something that he learned from Phil Jackson. And again, I don't know if you've ever played for a coach or a program that does this, but he takes guys that normally are not in the rotation and at various points in the year, he suddenly throws them out there. And he throws them out there in important situations. He did it last year with JaVale McGee starting him against the Cavs. He did it. He's he's done it with various guys. Nick Young got a start at one point, but he does it through the course of the year. And then he did it in Game Six. And and then the whole idea is, we want you to know, like we still have faith in you. You may not play all the time, but we believe that we can call on you, and you'll give us what you need. And that's exactly what he got in Game Six from Kevon Looney, Jonas Jarepko, Jordan Bell. I mean, he got 80 minutes out of the bench. He got 50 minutes yeah, out of the bench. I don't think you can do that in football. I don't think you can do that in football. You can't. 
because if, yeah, because you can actually you know design plays in basketball where no one's really exposed. Where football, well, I'm saying in a sense where if someone subbed out, you know, let's say Deion Sanders and put somebody else in. No, but see, here's the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. That's exactly what the Rockets should have done, and they didn't do. They should have gone after Quinn Cook. They should have gone after Jonas Jarepko. Like, Steve, you can't play Jordan Bell in this. We're, we, we, we're going to exploit him. He doesn't belong in this series. That's he where they failed, against yes. us. But Houston, this is, what, this is what the genius of Steve Kerr in doing this was. And actually, what backfired in losing KD is that Houston and their defensive guru, guru, guru Jeff Bilzdelic, had really dialed up what they needed to do to put the clamps on the Warriors. And they had drilled and designed it for what the Warriors like to do. And by playing all of these different guys, it suddenly changed how the Warriors played. And the things that the Rockets had been doing by rote the whole series, it suddenly changed in this game. They faced some sets and some action that they were just hesitating a little bit on. And it was enough for the Warriors to get a couple things done and keep it close. And that's really all they needed through the first half was not to let the game get away from them. So now... You got Steph and because of foul trouble, but he didn't have to play anybody long minutes like his right. regular guys. Right. So it kind of backfired on Houston because they were so used to seeing everything that the Warriors ran with KD that when you took that away, it took them a beat or two to kind of get dialed back in. Well, by then, they were in a desperate situation. They kept running their ISOs. Yes. And that's, that's their fallback. That is their fallback. Right. And that here, does not this, win games this to or championships. Me is, this to me, though, is what I put on on James Harden in particular. Because most people say you can't, like, if you if you run ISOs for him early, it remains to be seen how much energy he's going to have late. Right? You don't want to do that all game long if you don't have to. The problem is compounded when James takes too much time to get into his stuff. That's exactly what it is. He's like, sitting and he's going between the legs like four or five times. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm trying, trying, trying. That's go. like the whole 10 seconds, dude. Go. Like all of that takes up energy. If I'm working a guy for 15 seconds, it's not the same as I get it, stutter, I'm either stepping back or I'm going at you. Like CJ. Yes. CJ got like two or three moves. Boom, 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 bucket. Yeah. Now, obviously, teams load up on James a little bit different, but the bottom line is you still got to go. Look, I, at one point I looked out there and there was Quinn Cook, 
Alfonso McKinney, and I think it was Kavon Looney with Steph. I like, Lo- and I like Clay. Looney. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, you can't find somebody to exploit out of those five? Looney played well these the past he two played. games. And you know what he did? You know, but they were all hustle points. It was all hustle. All hustle. Offensive, Offensive boards. Rebounds. Yeah. Going back up. This is where I didn't understand why Mike D'Antoni didn't give Kenneth Farid a, a sniff. Because I, whenever I'm watching a game, I always... Right, am- and, and beat Looney up, right? Yes. Well, because Capella wasn't. Like, when I'm watching a game, I often think, like, how would I like playing with that guy? Or what would it be like playing with him? And I'll tell you, I would have strangled Clint Capella if I was playing with him. Because... There are things that he needed to do. Like, I looked at him coming into the series, and I said, he could be a problem. He could be a matchup problem. If he's rolling to the rim, if he's active, if he's doing everything that he can can do, he's going to be a problem. He wasn't doing those things. He couldn't finish consistently. He was a step slow defensively. When Nene would come in, I mean, Nene's like 50 years old. He'd come in, he'd give him a good seven, eight minutes, but... He didn't. He couldn't sustain it. And for me, I would have gone to Farid. I would have like given him a sniff. And what I was told is like D'Antoni is very strict about these are my seven, and if you're not in the seven, you're in the other five, and you rarely get out of that five unless something catastrophic happens. Somebody gets hurt in the seven. But in this instance, Steve Kerr did that. He he went I, to the other. Can I make another Seahawk reference? Yes. <laughs> So what this reminds me of with the Warriors is that what Seattle did well when they had their little run is that John Snyder and Pete Carroll, they did an extremely phenomenal job of training the bottom of the depth chart. Mm-hmm. They would spend countless hours and time training the bottom of their depth chart. Like that's a Patriots thing too, right? I always feel like, you know, there's certain, everybody get, says next man the, up, yeah, but there's some teams that are prepared for that. Well, yeah, because what the thing with the Patriots, I don't. Everyone has a role, regardless okay. of what it is. They know their role. But to your point, that's what Steve Kerr was doing throughout the season. Hey, you go get a start. You go get a start. You know, yeah, putting guys was, out there. That's funny. It was truly amazing. Have you so with the Rockets? Have you ever seen a team that like m- mentally just hits a wall where you look at them and you go? Look, they were really talented. I thought they could win it all. I thought they had a chance. But you know what? They got to blow that thing up now because there's a tragic flaw. Damn, I made an, I got to make another reference. <laughs> that's, where, that's why I have you here. So this whole, what are you going to call it? This whole rivalry between the Rockets and the Warriors is, mm-hmm. is just as real as the rivalry between the, uh, the Niners and Seahawks when they were going back and forth for all those years. Mm-hmm. Same thing. They they just couldn't get by them. Yeah, they just couldn't do it. And the next thing you know, what's the name? Harbaugh's out of there. Yeah, they just blow the whole thing up. Yeah. They just could not get past them. So it will be interesting to see which direction they go. I've heard people call for Mike D'Antoni's head. Uh, I saw my, my man Chris Broussard was suggesting that the Rockets call and see if they can make a deal. Chris Paul for Ben Simmons. Yeah, because he is furious, the owner. <laughs> the, the, the Rockets owner? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, 
He just laid out some big cash for that for that franchise. He did. He said, damn it, James Harden is 30 years old. Okay. <laughs> here's, here's the thing, though, to be honest. It's the Houston Rockets. They've been in the mix the last two, three years. They have bonafide stars. They there's, can win. But there's something to be said for being in Houston and having a perennial a perennial contender with marketable stars. It's not what you want to hear. And here's here's the case that I would make. While I'm I believe that the Rockets are never going to win a championship as constituted. If they want to win a championship, they've got to go back to the drawing board. They've got to they've got to move something significant. In hindsight, I feel like the Boston Celtics should have done the same thing. Like to shake things up because guys Yeah, you don't lose don't lose four one to the Bucks. Yes, but during the season, the fact that they were so up and down, what Danny Ainge needed to do was he needed to trade Jalen Brown or Terry Rozier. He needed to trade somebody to send a message to everybody else. Hey, if you guys don't get with the program, you're not going to be here. Like if you guys got aspirations, everybody's a little too comfortable. Everybody's following their own agenda, thinking, "Hey, so at some point we'll figure it out and we'll be okay." How you need to kind of rattle everybody's cage. How big you think Marcus Smart affected the team and him, him not being healthy? Yeah, monstrous, monstrous. But I don't know if he would have been enough because just, I'm just, well, just not not even like production wise. I think no, just his energy wise. Yes, a hundred percent. No, he's a guy that I'll go to war with. Any day. He's a winner. He's a gamer. Right. But you needed someone like this. Uh, Kyrie Irving, I now put in the Carmelo Anthony camp. In oh. that <laughs> he's a great player. He's a great scorer. You put him in the street ball category? <laughs> well, I can't have him as my leader. Right. I, it, it's, it's, a, it's a catch-22 in that on most teams, he's going to be your best player, and your best player is generally your leader and has to be your hardest worker. Kawhi. Kyrie Irving is not going to be either one of those other things. So he's, I a Rob, mean, he's a Robin. Yes, he is. With the skill and ability of a Batman. Right. <laughs> that is the catch-22. That's the frustrating part about it. Yes, yeah. that's the thing that you have. That's the workaround. So... Carmelo Anthony had his greatest success when he played with That's Chauncey Syracuse. Billups. Now, when he played with Chauncey Billups, college, we're gonna right. throw that. Put that, <laughs> put that aside. You can, you can. He had a great coach. You can get away with, you can get away with a lot in college through the tournament. Tournaments, not having to win seven game series. What Chauncey the, But he was at his best with Chauncey Billups. Chauncey had a ring. Chauncey was point guard and a floor general. Chauncey was all business. Chauncey could lead the team. And while he wasn't better than Carmelo and Anthony, Melo respected him enough that Chauncey could give, keep him in his lane and get the best out of him. We saw the same thing with Carmelo on the national team for the same reason. You had leaders. You could just let Carmelo do what he did best and not ask him to do any of the intangibles. I feel as if Kyrie is in that same camp. Now, the real question is going to be, if and when Kyrie and KD get together in New York, is KD going to be that for Kyrie? And I'm not saying he can't be. In fact, that may be the, 
the real enticement for KD, which is watch me lead Kyrie in a way that Russ never let me. And I really think in some ways, this is a race. Russ Westbrook and KD are still competing. It's to see who gets a ring first. Would you say... As the guy. Would you say that after the Lakers three-peat, that Kobe went through a similar phase where he had to learn to truly become Batman without Shaq? His... It wasn't becoming Batman as much it was learning how to utilize the pieces around him. If that makes sense. Okay. So I think... I think I, I, you're saying it like he had to learn how to lead, right? And I think, right. You're, I think you're right. But I never questioned his work ethic or his willingness to lead. I mean, right. he didn't he, have a whole he, lot of talent around him. Be, yeah, because of what he did, he automatically, you know, commanded respect. Right. Because but, Kobe, Kobe showed like, hey, you know. Right. Like, for example, if I put Kobe on this Boston team, Kobe, Kobe would have led them to the finals. Which Kobe, though? The Kobe, that's what I, that's, the post, that's what I mean, the though. post Shaq Kobe would have taken this team to the finals. I'm talking about like 03, 04. Yes, he would have. I agree. But because he got to a point where he learned, like, he went through different phases. He got to a point where it was like, I need more talent. Like, he thought he could do it by himself. And then it was the rude awakening. Oh, Kwame Brown, Smush Parker. No, I, I, can, I can only go so far. I'm not that good, right? I'm not that good. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I could win with just about anybody. <laughs> I mean, LeBron discovered the same thing. Like, I need certain guys to be able to get it done. So Kobe, Kobe then got to a point where he realized, not only do I need other talent, but I, like, I need to... Let that talent breathe. Stop hating on Chucky Atkins, man. <laughs> Brian Cook? What? Uh, Big Cookie? Cookie. Cookie. <laughs> Devin George. Come on down. A young Quran. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it was, that's, uh, the, the iterations of, of Kobe is a fascinating thing. Hey. Yes. Really quick. Yeah. Did you pick your teams, by the way? Who do you have winning? No. You have the, you're not going against the Warriors, but yeah, then you kind of waffled when it came to the Raptors and the Bucks. Pick one. Warriors and Raptors. KD would be healthy. KD, Kawhi. We're going to get what we want. Uh, that would be a great fight. Since we never got LeBron and Kobe, we're going to get KD, Kawhi. Actually, either one of them at this point. Either one, yeah, because those, I mean, right now, right now, that's top three right there. Yeah. By the way. Right now, right now. How did KD strain a calf muscle when he, he has no calf calves? <laughs> I don't know. He had to, take a look at the dude. He has no calves. I don't know, man. It's it's a no pencil. Idea. That's why there's no muscle mass there. So, uh, really quick. Yeah. So I had a I had a I put out a list on on Twitter the other day. How did I miss this? Of was I this when like, you were when you had the itis? No, this itis is actually when you're full from a lot of food, and that's not what I had. Um, okay. <laughs> Good to know. That's, anyhow, I feel I like I should have known that. I had a list of my 
top five, my top five. The reason I say my because I didn't say the most. Yeah. My top five exciting okay. football, football players ever. Okay. Oh, okay. I did see that. You did, but I said that's what that's the, that's what's funny about Twitter. I said these are my favorite. Yeah. And people want to go off on my favorite. Right. Right. I said mine. Right. This is a friendly. Just put yours. Yeah. And shut your mouth. That's where people don't. But you know what? I think they automatically assumed right. that you they were just, saying the, the my part yeah. instead of my because that's the way everybody rolls on Twitter. So one through three, yeah, people were like, okay, I put Barry Sanders as one. Okay. Most remember most exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I put Devin Hester as number two for me. Most exciting. He had okay. nineteen returns for touchdowns, I think. Okay. And then I put Deion Sanders. Okay. So number four is when it got like it got really, I caused an uproar. Pat Mahomes was number four for me. Wow, <laughs> exactly. Look at Jeez, you. what? Mo- my most exciting. That's a, that's an awfully short resume. That's uh, it, you don't need a resume. He had one. All you need is one season of just exciting. Really? That's all you need? That's all I needed. I don't need a body of work. Okay. And then number five for me was Favre. Now, I do get it. People are like, damn, dude, what the F? No Michael Vick? I hear you. I hear you. Hmm. I think Michael Vick is extremely exciting. But Michael Vick for me in college was like way more exciting. 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 Now, now if I made a list of like the most dangerous players, I have Michael Vick on there. As the most one of the most dangerous, but most excited for me was was Mahomes, man. I mean, I'm with you on Barry Sanders. Yeah, I'm with you on Dion. Did you have Rogers on there? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. No, but he would be on my dangerous list. He's he's also on my exciting list. You don't know what he's going to do. Like I'm like I'm putting the, I'm putting him there. I'm not putting Mahomes there yet. As much as I I think that but Mahomes why, will why, end up there. But why yet? See, it's it's always like. Oh, everybody who's like 45 and up, they're like, oh, too young. No, don't, Not don't become an ageist. What are you talking about? Too no. Young. No, too, look. The, the dude I just, just said, won MVP. That should shut everything. I don't care about body of work. He won an MVP. Now, if he was exciting and, you know, he didn't win MVP, he didn't lead his team to the playoffs, but he was exciting, I wouldn't put him there. But the fact that he just went off, went off, okay, had the worst defense Second to worst defense in the NFL, and did it all by himself. Despite I'm all Drew Brees, the, I'm putting Drew Brees on my list before I'm putting Patrick Mahomes on my list. As most exciting, yes. Brees ain't throwing no, no look passes. <laughs> oh, so you see, you, you've been taken by one particular play, one Wait, play. Roll to my right and just throw it across field blind to somebody else. I mean, come on now. How many Aaron Rodgers plays? Would you say only Aaron? I could just go with Hail Marys alone and blow Patrick Mahomes out of the water with my Aaron Rodgers. People are already putting Mahomes past Aaron Rodgers. Not me, but some people are already in terms of like the arm talent. Some people are saying Kawhi Leonard surpassed Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Nobody said Jordan. Yeah, people have said they think he's better all around. Kawhi, and, and is, I love how we're right now. Is he's like Jordan on the Wizards? Ooh, oh, that's harsh. <laughs> now you're being unfair to Kawhi. Fine, maybe not. Maybe 98 Jordan, because he's not like fast. 
No, he's not. He's not. He's, not he's and he's not agile. He's not. He's no, kind of robotic. But it's very. It's very like. He's a power. Almost like yeah, it's lots of power. And yeah. Jordan was lots of power at towards yeah, the end of his career. Yes, but prior, like in his championship years, no, that was a bad man. Like people yeah. do not understand. They don't understand. What a bad man he was. They don't understand. They don't. They don't. They don't understand how he was quick like Iverson and strong and aggressive like LeBron. Well, he was more aggressive than LeBron. I mean, there are times even LeBron. I meant, at ter- his height, I meant in terms of like the physicality, not in terms of like mentally. Mentally, there was nobody like Jordan. I'm sorry. Anytime Jordan was on the floor, you were conscious, and everyone in the building was conscious of where he was. You were never like when he was not on the floor. There was a void. You, it right. was like you were waiting for him to get back on the floor. And the instance he was on the floor, everything was about where's Jordan? That's Offensively LeBron, and LeBron's defensive. like that. LeBron's like that. No, there's plenty of times where I'm like, oh, hey, LeBron's oh, on the yeah, floor. Right. You know when that man is on the court. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're, like most of the time you do because the ball's in his hands. But there have been times over the course of his career where it was like, Oh my god! Right, Jordan is never missing an action. I get that. Never, never. Which is an extraordinary thing to say. And I'm sure there are people who never watched him play, or never saw him live, or never watched him live on TV, who are thinking, "Oh, you guys are exaggerating. You're glorifying the past. You're making too much of this." No, this is what you don't understand about Michael Jordan. He was always like that. He was always on. He was always looking to eat somebody's lunch. And I'm talking about. A game at the end of November. I'm talking about a game in the dog days of February after the All-Star break. If he was playing, he was looking to prove a point. If he was on the floor, he was looking to prove a point. He didn't take plays off. He was always looking to take advantage. Now, he wasn't as active at the end of his career as he was at the beginning. There were times where Scottie Pippen took the more challenging defensive assignment. But Jordan was always dialed in he was always looking and waiting for you to make a mistake in the way that when we see LeBron when LeBron's hunting that rundown block you can tell he's like oh I see it coming or I see an opportunity to get a pick and a breakaway dunk you you can feel it when LeBron's hunting for that I'm gonna read you a list that I have here so you got Mike Mark Price Larry Nance Brad Doherty John Stockton, Carmelo, okay. Yeah. Patrick Ewan, yeah. Charles Oakley, John Starks, Charles Barkley, Tim Hardway, Reggie Miller, Mark Jackson, Chris Mullen, Rick Smiths, Anthony Hardway, Sean Kemp, Detlef Schrempf, Dikembe, Mookie, Steve Smith, Christian Leitner, Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley. <laughs> what is this list? because of Jordan, they all don't have a ring, okay? (laughs) (laughs) That is my point. When this man was live and well getting it done, these Hall of Famers suffered. Yeah, They did not get a ring. Clyde Drexler. Because of this man. Clyde Drexler. It's crazy. Got it it while Mike was off the court. While he was off the court, (laughs) exactly. Akeem, same thing. Houston went in. Let me get, hurry up, Houston. Yeah. All right. That does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman. So good to have you back, Will. Glad you got over the itis. Glad I know what itis is now. 
Thanksgiving. Will, Will missed yesterday's it, podcast because he ate too much. I didn't eat it all, actually. <laughs> all right. Um, look, if you enjoy the show, we are just a handful of ratings away from having our drawing and giving away prizes. And as soon as we do that, we'll put another bag of prizes together and do it again. But I think we need 100 on iTunes, and we're in the 90s. So come up with some fake accounts and screenshot your review of us and then send it to at Buker Friends, and that'll give you more chances of winning the prizes. And it will also fulfill our need to get to 100 before we have the drawing. In any event, please let us know how we're doing. we love to hear from you. And again, screenshot that review to at Buker Friends. In the next podcast, uh, I had a chance to get together with Blake Griffin and uh, did a piece on him about making the transition to Detroit. And a lot of our conversation, uh, I couldn't get into the story, but it was fascinating to hear him talk about a variety of things. And I wanted to share that with you guys. So I sent that audio to Blake to say, hey, I'd like to put this out as a podcast. What do you think? Finally had a chance to listen to it. He got it back to me and said, do what you want with it. He said it was a little boring to listen to myself talk that much, but he gave me the go-ahead. So that will be in the next podcast uh, for Buker and Friends. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.